Well, thanks to the worship team for that wonderful time of worship and to Charlie for that uh, very meaningful prayer. I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles to 1 John chapter 3. Um, whether you have a Bible or your phone or your tablet or your iPad, whatever you have, 1 John chapter 3. I want to remind you that I'm inviting you to uh, celebrate John by reading a chapter each week and reading that chapter every day. So this coming week, you'll be reading chapter 4 uh, every day this week. 1 John chapter 3. Now before we read the text, let me remind you of where our study left off last week. Last week we were reminded that it is our simple and pure love for Jesus that serves as protection against the many false teachers and antichrists. We discovered that the simple faith of these believers in the first century, those dear little children that John called them, those who were new in Christ, those who believed, embraced, and experienced a love affair with Jesus, that simple, pure, authentic faith. They held precious the precepts of the word of God. They were to love the brethren from the heart and consistently partner with the Father to step out of the shadows, out of the darkness, into God's glorious light. John said, that's how you know that you know Jesus. But it's not just about knowing up here, right? It's about a relationship with Jesus. It's about an intimacy with him. John said, remember and remain in what you know. Again, that love affair with Jesus, to hold precious the precepts of the word of God, to love the brethren with your heart and to partner with the Father to step out of darkness into light, which is confession, 1 John 1, 9. Now, we all sang a song as children. Uh, I'm sure many of you know this song, and if you do, sing it with me, right? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Well, that is very simple, and it is very precious, and it is very true. Now, in this next section of Scripture, in 1 John 3, it's not just our love for Jesus, as profound as that is, but it is his love for us, for you, for me. Before we even loved him, he loved us. John said it this way in 1 John 4.10. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That's love in action. His love that literally drove him to the cross. Now, our text for today is 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Just three verses. There's so much there. I could preach a whole series on this. Now, I want to mention that that, that first verse... Um, 
is a verse that I've used hundreds of times in my ministry. So at Hope Covenant Church, I was there for 15 years as the lead pastor, and in those 15 years, we dedicated over 100 babies in those 15 years. And every time I would dedicate a baby, I was hoping that there'd be a baby in the church today, uh, but, um, you know, I know COVID keeps people away. Because here's what I would do when I would dedicate this child. I would take that infant and hold him up, kind of like Simba, right? And say, behold what manner of love the Father has given us, that we should behold, become the children of God. And so we are. And that verse just resonates with a congregation. You see that child and you see that, oh, this child's name is a child of God. This child is named by his heavenly father. So that's the first verse of chapter three, but let me read to you the first three verses. And what I quoted was in the NIV. This is the NLT. See how very much our father loves us, for he calls us his children. And that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what will be like, what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. Verse 3, and all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure just as he is pure. This passage is an invitation into love. We've had an invitation into life, an invitation into the light, last week an invitation to truth, and today an invitation into love. Not just you or me loving God, but living out and embracing the love that he has for us. There's another way to phrase that, and that's what I'm going to be using today. We can live our lives as Abba's child. Living our lives as Abba's child. Now, that's not the 70s rock band from Sweden, right? Circa Mamma Mia. But that is Abba, that word that is used of the Father toward us. Now, there are many names for God, and there's really many names for all of us. For instance, in our church, I am known really by two names. One is Pastor Dwayne, and I like all our children and youth to kind of refer to me as that. Everyone else, I'm just Dwayne. So that shows kind of a familiarity. Um, sometimes, if I get a, you know, a call from some buddy that wants me to buy something, they refer to me as Reverend Cross. You know, they're trying to get on my good side. They don't realize that doesn't do a lot for me. But, uh, but we all have different names, right? So when I was a boy growing up, my grandfather called me Wayno, and that was a term of endearment. Uh, my sister and a lot of my close friends call me D. Uh, my mother, when I was in trouble, called me Dwayne Richard. Sometimes I still hear that from at home, uh, even, even today. But we're known by different names based on the relationship, right? that we have with the one who is calling us that name. Now, there are many names for God. Uh, how we address him reveals how we relate to him. For instance, uh, many say Adonai. He is Lord. Indeed, he is, right? Elohim, God of glory. 
El Shaddai, God Almighty. Jehovah Jireh, God our provider. Jehovah Rapha, God our healer. Now, each of those names of God, and there are many others, but each of those names of God are kind of a name outside of us. A God, we need you to provide for us. We need you to uh, rescue us. We need you uh, to uh, heal us. All of this kind of outside of us. But then there's another word that talks about God within us. That word is Yahweh. Now, in the Old Testament, um, the Hebrew culture indicated that you could not call God by his name. His name was too other. It was too distant. It was too holy. And even when you wrote down the word Yahweh, you take out the consonants, right? And so anglicized, that would be written Y-A-H-W. Because you could, that was just a hybrid. You could not call God by his name. He was too holy. 2,000 years ago, someone came along and used a name for God that no one ever dreamed could be uttered about him. A common, simple name, even a child could say it. And many times it was the first word that a child would say. The word was Abba. Translated from Hebrew into English, it means daddy or papa. Now, I've been a grandfather for how long? Jaden's 22 years. I've been a grandfather for 22 years. My grandkids are from 22 down to how old's Eloin? Nine? Nine. So that, that range. Uh, of my grandchildren, I've been known as a lot of things, right? Uh, my Chinese grandchildren call me Gong Gong. Gong Gong is uh, Chinese for grandpa. I've been known as Baba. I've been known as Bipa. But each of those names are kind of a term of endearment, a term of intimacy. It's not grandfather, you know, it's, it's something that's more than that. There's intimacy and familiar, familiarity and accessibility. So when we were, moved to Chicago to go to seminary, our daughter was 11 months old. And so if, just a few months after that, maybe after her first birthday, we were, for the first time, sightseeing, and we were going up the Sears Tower, first time we'd ever been in Chicago, going up the Sears Tower to the top floor. So we're in the elevator, and there's several people in the elevator, and I'm holding Tammy over my shoulder, and Sherry's next to me, and Tammy's looking behind me, and she goes, Bapa, Bapa, that's her word for grandpa. And I look behind me, and there's this wonderful elderly old African-American gentleman who's just kind of waving at her. She says, Bapa. So she recognized him as grandpa. This, by the way, isn't that the way we should always relate to people? It doesn't matter what color our skin is, right? right? And, and so there's this beautiful kind of intimacy in that moment, in that elevator. The name is steeped in intimacy and familiarity and accessibility. Abba. 2,000 years ago, Jesus, speaking to his father, cried out, Abba, Father. Never before uttered in reference to God. And this word speaks to how Jesus lived his life not as a servant to God or a subject or a serf or a peon in the realm of Almighty God, but in a deeply personal relationship with his Heavenly Father, Abba. Now we are invited by John and we are invited by Jesus to enter into this kind of relationship with our Heavenly Father. 
God made that relationship possible, acceptable. You can know him. We don't have to have the intelligentsia. We don't have to be the knowers. But we can know him intimately. This is the gospel we preach. God is not some faraway sovereign waiting for you to fail so that he can stomp on you. He is Yahweh, the creator. But not only that, he invites you into a relationship, Abba. Papa, Father. Paul in Romans speaks of this new relationship this way. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. We are invited into this relationship of being a son, a daughter of our heavenly Father, Abba. No longer based on fear, no longer do we obey, obey God so that we don't get in trouble. Not, we don't obey God because it'll provide fire insurance or keep us out of hell. But we have that kind of relationship, that kind of intimacy that cries, Abba, Father. So my father uh, passed away. I was just telling Sherry this in the car on the way here. 37 years ago, he was, he was 56 years old. Veteran of World War II. Died of lung cancer at age 56. And I remember he was diagnosed three years before he died at age 50, or age 53. And I remember that we started having some really meaningful and intimate conversations. I mean, when you know that someone's going to die, it kind of takes down all the barriers. <laughs> and say, Let, you know, let's get to this relationship. But my father was kind of, when I was growing up, he was kind of a stern taskmaster. That was his way of doing things. I remember when I was in the sixth grade, um, I heard on the school ground for the first time the word queer. Now, that... In those days, that was really a bad word. Today, it has more of a, you know, people are saying it's a good word again. I don't, I don't quite understand that, but that's what they say. And so anyway, but I, I didn't know what that was, and I asked my sixth grade teacher, what is a queer? Somebody said that on the playground. He said, well, you know, he's thinking, how far do I go with this? He said, well, that's when a guy likes a guy, a boy likes a boy, or a girl likes a girl. I said, Okay. I don't see really a problem with that, but that, that sounds good. And so that night, I was thinking about that all day. I thought, maybe I shouldn't be so familiar with my dad. So that night, uh, instead of kissing my dad goodnight like I always did and giving him a hug, I went up to him, to my dad. And I, I'm 11 years old. My dad's 6'3", 350 pounds. And I went to my dad, and I stuck out my hand. <laughs> Good night, dad. You know, and... You know, he's saying, what kind of an idiot am I raising? And, but, you know, he went along with it. But, but then fast forward to when I'm in my 30s and my dad is dying and we had these most amazing conversations. Uh, he, was my, he was my daddy, right? Um, he was my pop. That's what I called him. And, and we talked about spiritual things and we talked about things that mattered and there was this kind of intimacy and I experienced that sonship of Abba. We can live in a whole new way as Abba's child. Behold what manner of love the Father has given us that we should be called the children of God. And so we are. Years ago, a book came out that was entitled The All Better Book. And it was a book about children answering questions that vex adults, that kind of stump us, right? And so the premise of the book is that what, there's you know, 7 billion people on the planet that, that uh, many of them are lonely and they don't really know 
uh, why they're lonely. And there's this loneliness, and they don't know that they matter. They don't know that they're loved. And so they ask children, what should we do if we find someone that doesn't know they're loved or thinks that they're lonely? And um, one little boy, Matthew chapter 8, uh, chapter 8. <laughs> I'm too much. Uh, Matthew, age 8, right? Uh, he said, well, uh, get people a pet or a husband or a wife, okay? So if you're lonely and you're here, get you a pet or a husband or a wife. By the way, the pet's much less expensive. And, uh, and then another boy said, well, people should go and find other lonely people and ask their name and address and then put them together. <laughs> that was pretty good. And then one little boy, this is kind of sad, six years old, said, oh, make food that talks to you when you eat. You know? You know, you look at your cereal, you know, how are you today? I'm fine, how are you, you know? And, and then Brian, seven years old, said, uh, somebody, they asked him, what do you suggest for people that are lonely? He said, I, I think uh, people could sing a song, we've already done that today, stomp their feet, or read a book. Sometimes when I feel no one loves me, this little boy said, Brian, I, that I do one of those things. What does a human heart do when it doesn't feel loved? Sing a song, stomp your feet, read a book, get lost at work, have another drink, get real religious, buy lots of stuff, go from lover to lover searching for someone who will cherish us. Maybe then we will experience a lack of loneliness. Maybe through accu uh, accumulations or accolades or accomplishments, but somehow, some way, we need to know that we are loved and that we are cherished and that we might matter. John suggests in these three simple, beautiful verses that there is something else that we can be known as and experience being Abba's child. We can know intimacy. We can experience what it means to matter. We cannot feel lonely, lost, or irrelevant. So in the next few minutes, I want to share with you from these three verses, three beautiful ideas. The first one is this, and I'll just give them all three to you, and then we'll tick through them in a few moments. The first one is this, embracing a new identity. Number two, understanding a guaranteed destiny. And number three, entering into a highly motivated, thoroughly joyful kind of purity. Three key words, identity, destiny, purity. Abba's child. Embracing a new identity, you are his child. Behold what manner of love the Father has given us, that we should be called the children of God, and so we are, right? John came from a background where the name of God could not be spoken. Yahweh, Jehovah, it could not be said. What's going on? in this new thing. Behold what manner of love. In other words, what, where is this love from? Is this some foreign concept? Is this from some other place, some other planet? Is this from outer space? What country, what race or tribe, what kind of foreign ET kind of love is it? This, that's what the meaning of this is. What is this like? We've never seen anything like this before. It's brand new. Because this kind of love declares more that I am forgiven when you are Abba's child. It declares that you are redeemed. You're no longer a slave. It declares that you have received mercy, that you're no longer guilty. You're no longer filled with shame. Not 
this, but that. Abba's child. This kind of foreign country love from a different planet kind of love is, is called Abba. Which means I belong. Now, when you belong to God, it means this. It means you not only belong in the house as a servant, as a guest, as an honored guest, but you belong in his, belong in his house because you belong in his house, because you belong to him. Not just as a forgiven one, but it's your house. You get to sit at the table. You have your own room. You're the object of affection of your heavenly father. You are your father's son. You are your father's daughter. And in this relationship, there is no condemnation. No condemnation. Correction, of course. Discipline, of course. But condemnation, never. Listen to these words from Romans 8. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor, are you listening to this? Nor demons, neither our fears for today, our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above on earth or below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's when you are Abba's child. Now, it's important in the phrase in the ver chapter in verse 1, it's important to use the word called. You are called the children of God. It's not a casual thing. Now, uh, there's a lot of books. Uh, if you have a baby, you can get thousands of books about baby names, right? And some of them you just kind of scratch your head. But uh, baby names matter to us, right? We want them to be unique and creative. We want them to mean something. When Sherry and I were having our family, our, uh, our daughter Tamara, Tamara Colleen, Tamara means a place of refuge, a palm tree in Hebrew language. Nathan Andrew, our next one, uh, the word Andrew means strong warrior, manly. If you saw Nathan, you would recognize that. And our youngest, the one that passed away, Tyler Joseph. Joseph is beloved by God. Each of these names had a meaning. And each of those names that had a meaning said to them and said to Sherry and I, you belong to us. You are a cross. And that means certain things. You are a place of refuge, Tamara. You are a strong warrior, Nathan. This means something. And when we named those children, we were declaring, this child belongs to me. Now, the best example of that in the Bible is in Matthew 125. I won't, we won't turn there. But here Joseph names Jesus. It says, Joseph named, called Jesus by his name. Matthew 125. He claims him as his own. Now remember, Joseph had never had sex with Mary, yet she's pregnant. Everybody's talking. The whole village is buzzing, saying, uh-huh. They're not even married. I mean, they were just betrothed, right? Promised to be married. And everybody's buzzing and everything, you know, what's Joseph going to do? Maybe he ought to, you know, leave because she's been, you know, and all that talk kind of stuff. But the Bible says that Joseph names him. 
And when Joseph named him, he said, Jesus, I claim you as my own. You will not be an orphan. You will not be a B word. I want the world to know who you are, that you are my son, and I am your father, and that will never change. Joseph said to this baby Jesus, you're mine. You are mine. Behold what manner of love the Father has given us that we should be called the children of God. We have a name. We are named the children of God, the sons and daughters of God. I hear this. Especially those of you who have never had a parent that cherished you. And for that, I would say to you, I am so sorry. Many of you say, I've, I've never had a father that loved me like this, so I don't really get it. And maybe I never even had a mother that cherished me. But hear these words from the God of the universe. You're mine, God says. You belong to me. When you raised your hand, when you were baptized, when you were dedicated, when you pray, when you cry out, you're mine. That's what it means to live as Abba's children. Beloved. My life is no longer grounded on or dependent on where I work or how much money I make or how popular I am or what status I achieve or what neighborhood I live in or how many people like me or don't like me. My identity is rooted and grounded in the fact that I belong to God. I am Abba's child. I am God's precious gift. You are living in the smile of your father. You are living as Abba's child. But there's something else we see there in our text. It's this, understanding that you have a guaranteed destiny. 1 John 3, 2. Dear friends, now we are children of God, but what we will be has not yet been made known. There's something in the future. But we know that when he appears, as referring to the second coming of Jesus Christ, when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And when we see him, if we're still alive when Jesus returns, or if we've already gone to heaven, the fact is this. When we see him, and we will be recognized by him as Abba's children, and that means that we will live with him forever. When you are Abba's child, when you have this love affair with Jesus, when you hold precious the precepts of the word of God, when you love the brothers and sisters from your heart, when you partner with the Father to step from darkness into light, you're embracing with the Father that you will know that you are his child. You are mine now and forever. Last conversation I had with my father, it was just, he was going to have surgery and that surgery is when he, he died. But we knew everything was, was very bad, very close to be, being the end. The day before he had surgery, I, just he and I were in his hospital room. And, and um, when we were done, we, I, I prayed for him. And then he said to me these words. I'll never forget them because the last words I heard my father say. He said, son, I'll see you soon. And it's been 37 years. But for my dad... Soon, right? There we go. Well, it doesn't work very well. But soon, right? Soon. We're Abba's child. And he says, I will never let you go. When you're Abba's child, it means you are Abba's child forever. The last thing is this. 
when we recognize that we're Abba's child, we are entering into a highly motivated, thoroughly joyful kind of purity. Now, it sounds like a lot of words, but hang, hang with me. Those three words, identity, destiny, purity, when you're Abba's child. 1 John 3, 3, everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Now, this verse comes in the form of a promise. This is not telling you you, you, you ought to and you should, right? This comes in the form of a promise. It's a statement of fact. It doesn't say, you need to purify yourself because guess what? We can't do that. Uh, you will purify yourself. We can't do that either. This is what you will naturally do and be if you keep your eyes fixed on him, on Jesus. When you are Abba's child and you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, when you recognize who he is and how much you are loved by your heavenly father, your natural response to that is to live a life that pleases God. It works like this. If you have begun to accept and embrace the fact that you are Abba's child, his treasured one, and if you have begun to get a glimpse of the fact that you are going to live life and ultimately be with him for all of eternity, if you can get that hope fixed in your mind, in your eyes, in your heart, you will begin to quite naturally and enthusiastically and energetically look for ways to be just like him. That's how you become pure. Not by, oh, I'm going to really be pure, by you becoming like Jesus. This last week, I got a phone call from a member of our congregation. And she said, I can't get out of my heart this image of stepping out of the darkness. That was two weeks ago. And stepping into the light, stepping out of the shadows, stepping into the light. And so we talked about that, and uh, I prayed with her. And when we were done, she said, you know, I, 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 feel, like, I feel like I'm a new person. And then I just shared with her some of my thoughts about this passage of Scripture. Listen, you're, you're more than just a new person. You belong to your Heavenly Father. And you have made precious in your heart the Word of God. And you have a love affair with Jesus. That's who you are, this Abba's child. When I was growing up, I always wanted to be like my dad. He was a big, strong man. When we were teenagers, he started a thing at our church called Samson's Club. And it was 18, early 1960s, so it was a long time ago. And uh, so that's the kind of man he was. But I remember as a boy coming out every morning from my bedroom and my dad sitting in his big chair with his gigantic Bible. It was a 25-pounder. <laughs> gigantic Bible on his lap, and he was reading his Bible. You know what? He never once told me to read my Bible. Didn't have to. I saw him. When I grew up, he was an engineer. I wanted to be an engineer. But all those things, I wanted to be like my dad. Now, my dad had a lot of flaws and a lot of failures, but I wanted to be like my dad. I desire to be like my heavenly dad. I desire to walk in his footsteps, to love the things he loves, to hate injustice, to hate condemnation, to hate racism. I want to love Jesus with all my heart. I want to hold precious his precepts. I want to love each other with all my heart, and I want to step out of the darkness into the light of God's love. Behold what manner of love the Father has given us, that we should be called the children of God. And so we are. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Father, Abba, 
It's so easy to envision you in the sky with this kind of stern look on your face uh, showing displeasure with how we are living our lives. Uh, That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that you are our Abba, our Daddy, our Papa. And Father, when we start living in that reality, stop living in shame, stop living in fear, but living in that reality, it changes everything. It changes uh, how we look at politics. It changes how we look at our country. It changes how we look at our neighbors. It changes how we look at our enemies. It changes everything because we matter. We matter in the universe. You love us. And, and, and we get to be in your house, not as guests or as slaves or servants, but we are there as your son, your daughter. We sit at the table. We have our own bedroom. We get to commune with our Heavenly Father. We are Abba's children. This morning, Father, my prayer, my heart is all this week is, Lord, I want every person in our church, every person in this room, every person listening online, I want them to know and embrace that they are Abba's child. Even if they had a bad childhood growing up, even if they didn't have a father or mother that cared for them or loved them or cherished them, but you do. You love us. You cherish us. You gave your life for us. So, Father, may we live in that truth and that beauty. May we live in that truth today. Lord, thank you for these three magnificent verses in your word. May we embrace them with all our heart. I pray this in Jesus' name.